This is the Empowered Conversations with Aline and Christina podcast. We are two educators of color that have been in the game for over 15 years. Thanks for joining us as we break down and speak on systems that were not built for Black, Indigenous people of color and the ways we address them head on. As we lean on each other in this work, it would be big for us if you took a moment to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to them. Also, follow us on Instagram at Empowered Conversations Pod, where we build community and support one another in this work. All right, let's get into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Conversations podcast with Aline and Christina, episode 17. I'm Aline, co-host of this podcast. I've been in education for 16 years as a school counselor and a former high school assistant principal. I currently work at the high school level in the Bay Area. I'm Christina, the co-host of this podcast. This is my 17th year in education. I was a former high school English teacher, former assistant principal and co-principal. I'm currently a site level administrative program specialist at a middle school in the Bay Area. Hey, y'all. So in our last podcast, we talked about the ways that school leaders can transition um, or transform from being allies to co-conspirators and really talking about mindset. So if you haven't already taken a listen to that episode, please go back and check it out. But before we get into today's episode, let's do a quick check-in. So Christina, what's on top of your mind this week? Oh man, well, I mean, the only thing that's on my mind, um, I I do have a cold, so I'm a bit paranoid right now. Um, I am going to get tested on Monday, but um, yeah, that's on the top of my mind. And so now I'm working remotely until then, fingers crossed. And um, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Just trying to stay alive and healthy. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's basic. Oh, my bad, dog. <laughs> well, what about you, though? <laughs> I can see that's really the only thing on your mind. <laughs> yeah, for real. I, like, no lie. <laughs> Well, you know what though? So it's kind of similar where I don't have a cold, but what's on top of my mind is just COVID. I feel like it's always COVID. Um, you know, I, I think anybody who's kind of like in this like educator algorithm on Instagram or TikTok or go through teacher TikTok, like it's just, we are exhausted as educators just thinking through, it's the anxiety of, you know, am I doing my contact tracing correctly? Who's, you know, are we going to get another email today that notifies us that there's another case on our campus? You know, all those things. And so, yeah, it's, I'm not feeling sick, but it's always the anxiety of like, am I going to get it again? Um, our students are getting it. The school nurse came into to my office yesterday and was like, oh yeah, you know, I need you to translate for this 
this parent because the daughter has all these symptoms and I need him to understand that she can't come back till we get the test results. And I'm like, okay. I was like, sure. Luckily the student was on my caseload, so I didn't mind translating. Um, but she mentioned to me that especially coming back from Labor Day, like the cases are just rising at our school site. And we've been pretty good up to this point. So it's just, yeah, I mean, obviously that's top of mind. That definitely takes space in your like mental well-being and just just it takes mental space. So I feel like it's causing more exhaustion and like tiredness than usual. Um, and so that's where like I'm constantly reminding myself and others to just take care of themselves, listen to their body and do what's good for them. But yeah, I feel you. Hopefully your test comes back negative, Christina will be thinking of you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we're excited about this episode. Um, stay tuned. All right. Well, we are so excited. I'm going to introduce our guest. Um, I met our guest actually on Instagram um, back when the pandemic started and you know, we were all on shutdown. I was doing a lot of like podcast binging and um, scrolling on Instagram and really trying to learn something that I feel like I've been neglecting for a really long time. And that was finances and getting to understand like investing and just how to be better with money. And that's how I found um, our guest today. And I'm just really excited because, you know, she shares a lot of similar experiences that we've talked about on our podcast, um, but has learned so much and is sharing her knowledge with the community. And um, just, we just have a lot to learn from her. So I'm really excited. And let's see, in this, in the month of September, we're really trying to focus on like back to school, like getting back into it. And with that said, it's also that time of year where we update or check out our paperwork um, when open enrollment season starts. And it's a good time for educators to think about their 43B, 457, HSAs, FSAs. If y'all are already lost on that, hopefully, you know, our guests can kind of break that down a bit so you know what those letters stand for since we love acronyms in education. Um, these are different and these are important ones. So this is where, you know, we could learn a lot from you. Our guest is um, Rita Soledad Fernandez Paulina. Paulino, sorry, she is a former math teacher turned personal finance educator while sick on medical leave in March, 2019. She started to develop, to develop her financial literacy by reading books listening to podcasts, and watching YouTube videos. By May 2019, she became the chief financial officer for a small startup called the Puro Party Paulinos, aka her family of four. With, with the 19 months in her, her new role, Soledad used zero-based budgeting to pay off about 23000 in student loans, student loan debt, save a six-month emergency fund, max out her IRAs for her husband and herself, Maxed out, maxed out her husband's 401k account and created an early retirement plan. Yes, we need to know about more about that. Um, she has since started studying to become a certified financial planner to ensure more BIPOC and LGBTQ gente can receive financial planning from someone who understands their challenges and dreams. 
Soledad is committed to talking about dinero with anyone willing to listen so that we can all build wealth juntos. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast, Soledad. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Let's talk dinero. Thanks. We're so excited. So, Christina, how about you start it off? Yes. So, Soledad, real talk, I have so many questions for you. And hopefully I have so many answers. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, what you're about to talk about are things that if you asked me 17 years ago as a 22, 23-year-old, it it went in one year and out the other. But um, before we even get there, before I bombard you with a ton of questions, please tell us your educational journey. Where did, it all, where did it all start and how you got to this current position? Yeah, I would say that my educational journey started at home with my familia. Um, I am a middle child. I grew up, uh, I was raised by a single mother who was also a teacher. I have a lot of educators in my family and um, I spent a lot of time teaching like my cousins things like I would, we'd come home from school and we would play school. So education always meant a lot to me. And for me, school was the one place where I felt like I got a lot of attention. Um, Whereas at home I was, you know, one of three, but then also one of so many cousins. And at my abuela's house, there was always a lot of cousins there. So with a big family, you know, and I was kind of quiet. I was pretty shy. I didn't get a lot of attention, but at school is where I shined, right? That's where I, I was a really good student. And I grew up in Echo Park in Los Angeles. And in my school journey, I was, you know, I was, I was a good student. Junior high, I went through a rough patch in high school. I was a straight A student, uh, got full scholarships to every college that I applied to, got accepted to every school except one. NYU, but everyone else accepted me and with full scholarships. But when I went to um, my first college of choice, it was a small liberal arts school and I dealt with a culture shock. I struggled a lot. I felt like I didn't belong. I was a originally a science major, then turned math major. And no matter, like in that field, like there's not a lot of women mm-hmm. in in studying that and then also not a lot of people of color so that was another struggle and i i felt like i didn't belong and i dealt with a lot of discrimination i dealt with sexism and racism with classmates calling me spick telling me i belonged in the kitchen and this was like 2004 2005 you know wow. like like this is this was recent so i struggled yeah. a lot and eventually i was like eh, i'm not gonna put up with this at a small liberal arts school so i dropped out thinking I will go to school somewhere else. Um, And I enrolled in a community college and then I was at a community college and things got hard there. Like my car broke down. I was, math courses are like at 6.30 in the morning. So that was like a struggle to get to school. So I dropped out again. And then eventually I applied to go back to school and I ended up going to that one school that didn't accept me in the very beginning. And that's where I got my bachelor's and my master's um, in math education. Nice. And now I'm studying to be a CFP and so I'm in school again. Um, but yeah, that's been my, my journey so far. What made you, so you were a math teacher, right? So you got your master's in, in math education. And so what led you into the classroom? What was your experience like in the classroom? And ultimately what, what led you to leave? 
Yeah, so like I shared earlier, I always, teaching came very naturally for me. I'm from a family of educators. I loved playing school with all of my primas and primos. Um, and there was also a part of me that felt like I shouldn't be a teacher. There was a part of me that did want to be a teacher. Like my, I got a lot of, like, it's so unfortunate because I came from a family of educators and I don't know if they chose education the way I chose education. Like, I don't know if they chose to become teachers mm -hmm. or if it was a path that they felt was easy to follow, not it, easy to follow in the sense that it's like very clear, you know, like yeah. you get your credential, you go, you get your degree, you get your credential, then you start teaching, you know, maybe you get a master so that you can make more money. But for me, I, I wanted to teach like mm. I I joined Math for America and they paid for my master's and I was just like, oh, I was born to do this. This is like my calling. And I never thought I was going to leave teaching. In fact, uh, I got really sick and that's what took me out. And I, I think it's because I struggled a lot with boundaries with, <laughs> within the profession. I was somebody who was like always trying to give more because it's like almost like I wanted to give my students everything I didn't get as a student myself, being taught yeah. by people who I couldn't relate to, people who didn't understand me culturally. And so I was giving and giving and giving so much all the time. It became my norm. That mm -hmm. became like my standard. And after I had my kids, it, it was just hard because I constantly found myself feeling like I'm not, I'm not the teacher I used to be. Yeah. I'm not the teacher I used to be, but I was trying to be. So I was sleeping very little, working a lot and still trying to, you know, and, you know, the students that I worked with was always, you know, the same demographic that I could relate to. Right. So low income immigrant communities. Um, I had the opportunities to when I was in New York to work at like private schools. But for me, being an educator meant changing the world it meant like providing access to students and so mm -hmm. it burned me out it burned me out and i got really sick march 2019 and it's almost like i would have never left i would have never left i never wanted to leave um but i think like the universe kind of pushed me out yeah. for my own health and for me to also mm -hmm. start to learn these lessons about self-care and setting boundaries to protect your well-being and that at the end of the day like you cannot give and give to other people if you're giving from a place of emptiness and and that's why self-care has to be like a a consistent daily thing i was the type that was like oh uh, I'll, I'll do self-care on thanksgiving break i'll do self-care during spring break i'll do self-care during summer break so i would work like in these sprints yeah and it wasn't sustainable so yeah. no thank you for sharing that I mean I think like both of us are just like nodding our heads in agreement because it resonates so much right Christina I, I just I couldn't stop nodding my head it, it was like every bullet point that you just said I'm just like yes <laughs> yes 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 I mean that's that's facts right there mm -hmm. And, and oh go ahead no it's just something we talk about a lot and something that we're exploring and unpacking and encouraging you know other 
um, educators of color, but specifically school leaders of color to really think about what their practices are around self-care and wellness um, and just how it all connects and how it could easily, you know, if without it, could it burn us out and leave us to make decisions that maybe we're not ready for or maybe that we should make, right? You know, and if you allow me to go real, real deep, I want to share this because when I first started thinking about self-care, I thought like, oh, you know what I need to do every night is a face mask. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be my self-care. You know, I'm going to make sure to drink water and I'm going to pack my snacks and look at me. I'm taking care of my health and I'm going to the gym. Mm -hmm. And that's where it started. And then I started doing meditation because, you know, you read about how that's really good. And it is good. Like I, I'm a big proponent of, of meditation. But eventually it's like it started getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's when I started therapy that I realized like, oh, you know why you need so much self-care? It's because you're neglecting yourself throughout the day. Mm -hmm. You're not listening to your body when you need to use the restroom and you're holding it or you're, you're eating your food so fast yep. during lunch so that you could read the emails and respond to parents. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not more self-care that you need. It's like actual attention. It's stopping the neglect of your body. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I, heard, I learned the long, the, the hard way. I passed out in the classroom and had to be taken yeah. to the hospital. Yeah. And I was in the emergency room on March 7th texting my assistant principal saying they say I should take a week off uh, I'll be good in two days and going back to the classroom in two days only to then end up in the emergency room again a week later yeah. like learn from my mistakes everybody <laughs> and really understand like for me it was a lot of unpacking and realizing that uh, what was motivating so much of my passion of helping my community was also coming from a place of wanting to protect Mm -hmm. other students from the harms that I had experienced mm -hmm. but when I started to switch that and I started to realize like oh actually like it's not my job to do that and actually we're a lot we're strong and we're resilient and and separating myself from this idea of like um you know needing to fix or save mm -hmm. like because that's like a big thing yeah. that we get in education too yeah. you know yeah. mm -hmm. and I had like even bought into that and as I started, I realized like, no, everyone's going to be okay. Everyone's going to be okay. But I have to make sure that I'm okay first. Yep. You guys can cut that out if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, because that's real. And I appreciate you going deeper because I do think that we need to hear that and talk about our own experiences with that because it happens way too often. And, you know, one of, we talk a lot about not having an exit interview process built into our systems at district levels. And so oftentimes you know, we don't know the full story and people don't ask the questions that need to be asked when educators decide to leave the profession or leave a district. And Christina and I have both, you know, been to like seven plus different districts within our, our you know, our time in education. And not once has anyone asked us why we left, but most of this, you know, most of the decisions that were coming from places of feeling burnt out, neglected, not respected, all these things that like, you know, one of it was self-imposed, but a lot of it was through the system. Right. And I think that's so important to acknowledge mm -hmm. too, right? Like there are systemic things mm -hmm. that made it easy for me to neglect my body. 
the fact that, you know, like you only have certain planning periods, you're using the restroom on a certain schedule. I mean, I worked at schools where they said that you couldn't eat in front of the students. And so for oh, me, wow. yeah. someone who's hypoglycemic, like that can become a problem, you know, and all these like different things. And mm-hmm. even I think even the way our schedules are set up, that it becomes very easy to have this like academic calendar mindset in terms of, you know, setting yourself up for these sprints, mm-hmm. because that's what our, you know, the semester, the calendars are like, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so many, so many things that we could unpack there. <laughs> For sure. And one thing too, like, you know, on your platform, like on your Instagram account, you talk a lot about um, just, you talk a lot about wellness, but you also connect it to how, you know, financial education can lead to wellness. Cause it's not just about the facials and, you know, waiting till break to do or go to the gym or just things like that. So why don't you tell us just a little bit more about like what you're working on now, how you're still teaching, right? And in what way, what you're teaching and, and also, you know, because, you know, for those of you who don't follow Soledad or haven't heard of her, but, um, you know, she's in the financial education place, but it's really about building, wanting to build wealth juntos together um, and thinking through just different systemic issues that you know have existed even within the financial education um space and um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing and your platform and also just how this also looks at at it through an equity lens you know because we talk a lot about equity in our schools and on this podcast but what does that mean for you and and the work that you're doing well it's interesting because equity in terms of the financial space has to do with like your net worth, Uh right? It has to do with your assets minus your liabilities. And that's how much equity you have. And for me, Mm -hmm. my greatest liability was my student loans. And I had planned to um, to get my student loans forgiven through the teacher loan forgiveness program, which requires you to work for five years straight. Easy for me, right? I had um, worked 10 plus years in education. However, when I got pregnant with my first child, I um, had complications. So I had to take a year off. I had a doctor's note and everything. And because I taught four years and then returned to the classroom a year later, I no longer qualified for the teacher loan forgiveness program. So there's like a systemic thing, right? So then in order for me to get my teacher loans forgiven, I was gonna have to work an additional five years. I was working three years when I realized I got sick I started to learn about, you know, budgeting and paying off debt. And when I paid off my student loans and I made that decision to pay off my student loans separate from the teacher loan forgiveness program, that's when I really started to think like, okay, well, well now you don't, you don't have that debt. Do you, do you want to be in the classroom? Mm -hmm. And because I paid off my loans, I was able to decide, you know what, maybe I'll go back, but right now, no. And, you know, with, so I became debt free. And so, like I said, in the financial space, equity has to do with, you know, like increasing your net worth. I eliminated all my liabilities and increased my assets. But as educators, you know, we think about equity in terms of people having the same opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's so important to think about also, like, as, you know, there's a lot of shame that comes with personal finance. There's a lot of things where people often feel like, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't have this debt. I shouldn't be spending this money. I shouldn't have this. But it's like, 
I need everyone to realize that we don't all start off on the same place. You know, some of us can, you know, some of us don't get student loans. Some of us mm -hmm. don't have to deal with that at all. Maybe because of full scholarships, maybe because we have parents who pay for it. Um, some of us will get help with a down payment. Some of us live in cities where you can buy a home and it's, it's pretty affordable. And there's some of us that like, you know, if you're living in, in New York City, Los Angeles, anywhere in California, I feel, mm -hmm. um, it's going to be a lot harder. And so I think it's important for people to understand, to give themselves so much grace and to really think about their own, the own, their own resources that they've had access to, you know, mm -hmm. their own personal opportunities, because it can get so easy to compare yourself to someone else and start to think, oh, I should have that. You know, I should be there, you know, especially when it comes to like investing and when we start thinking about our net worth. Mm -hmm. Great. So I know that we have a lot of questions around just like what educators should be thinking about. And Christina, I know you have a lot of questions too around just like what is all of the stuff that's available to educators that we need to think about? Christina, you want to ask something personal to get it started? <laughs> Because she's oh, yeah. I, I can get started. I have my own notes and everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And I'm I'm probably putting out my business out there too in this podcast. So I'm um, all I talk all about my business on Instagram. So <laughs> that is my thing. So I've been in Calsters mm -hmm. since 2005. And you know, they take out shoot uh you know it's not like we had a decision right about how much money they take out they they take out depending on your role and how much you make right so that one i just kind of leave alone and then um i have a roth ira oh look at you you fancy <laughs> i know uh, well <laughs> i've had that since 2009 okay then i have a 403b and i've had that since 2019 but I'm gonna be honest with you though. I mean, even though I have the both the 403B and the Roth IRA, I only put um I, I did like the minimum. I was like, oh yeah, can you just take out 150, please? So I don't even know. Like I felt like I just opened them up for the sake of opening them up. Like I don't know, like if 150 even means anything, should I, I mean, because the question is, can I afford to put in more? Um, yes. <laughs> I, I just need to reprioritize my life. Cause I think at that, like I was thinking more about my social stuff. So, okay. What, what you think, what, what you think about okay, me saying? So I have like questions, right? Because okay. ultimately how much do you need to have invested is going to be depend on a few factors. One, okay. how old you are right now and how old yeah. you wanna be when you retire? Okay, excellent question because um, I was 23. When you started investing? Yeah, on my 20th, uh, on my birthday. So mm -hmm. I know exactly the day that my Calster started. August 23rd, 2005. So yeah, I only want to work into for 30 years. So what, 53? Okay. Maybe so I'll do 55, maybe, but I'm I'm like really aiming for that 53. Like okay. no joke. So at that point, 
then we have to say, well, what are, gonna, what are your annual expenses at retirement? And one thing that you could do is think about what your annual expenses are right now, which is why I always encourage people to track either through, you know, an Excel sheet or using an app, but you want to have data about what your annual expenses are because in order to retire, and this is just like a, a rough number, this is just like a, a good little estimate. Mm -hmm. You take your annual expenses and mm -hmm. let's say that your annual expenses are $60,000. Well, and then you multiply that by 25. So 60,000 times 25 is $1.5 million. That's how much money you would want to have invested so that you can then retire and withdraw 4%. But you have a little bit more working for you because you have access to a pension. And that pension is going to be fixed income that you get for the rest of your life. And one of the Best things that you could do is call CalSTRS and get an idea of how much, and because what they're gonna do is they're gonna take an average of a certain amount of years, your most your top paying years, and that's gonna impact how much money you get um, during your pension. So you wanna call CalSTRS, you can talk to someone in their customer line, they have workshops too. Get that number, right? Because if what you can count in your pension on a monthly basis is $2,000, then that means you're gonna need to get, be able, you need to withdraw and your annual expenses are 60,000, then that means you're gonna need to be able to get $3,000 from the 403B or the Roth IRA. That's what you'll need to do. So first steps is, Figure out what your annual expense, like calculate your retirement number. And you want to take your annual expenses that you expect at retirement, multiply that by 25. Then we start to play around with like different calculators to see like where you're at, you know, things that will, and, and something educators need to keep in mind is that you will not have access to social security right. because you have CalSTRS. Mm -hmm. So if you look up mm -hmm. your social security statements, you're going to see zero, zero, zero. That's not something that you can rely mm -hmm. on at all. Yeah. So you have your pension and then you're supplementing your pension with the 403B with the Roth IRA. And depending on the rate of return of your investments, depending on the expense ratio, which is the fees that you pay to invest, mm -hmm. Those two factors are going to impact how much money you need to be investing on a monthly basis in order for you to be able to retire at a certain age. But if you, I mean, if you want to give me your numbers, numbers, <laughs> you know, like we could, you know, that's something that we, you know, that's what I do, right? Like yeah. I, I create financial plans for people where mm -hmm. I say, okay, this is your debt. This is your, um, this is your retirement age goal. These are other goals that you have for your life, whether that's also traveling, buying real estate. And we look at a cohesive, like, okay, look at your numbers, how much income you have coming your way. What are the ways that we could reduce your tax liability so that you keep more, more of your mm -hmm. income? Because right now, any contributions you make to your 403B, that reduces your tax liability. So if you make $60,000 a year and you're contributing $10,000 to your 403B, you now only have to pay taxes on $50,000. I'm going to hit up uh, <laughs> I'm a hit up Horace Mann tomorrow and tell him he needs to take out more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so that's like one thing, right? Another way you could reduce your tax liability is your FSA contribution. So if anyone here has kids, an FSA dependent care, that program, um, mm -hmm. you can contribute up to $5,000 a year for that. That would also reduce your tax yeah. liability another 5,000. Okay, what, what's this FSA? Like, where do I sign so It's it called to? Flexible Spending Account. You um, sign up with your employer during open enrollment. Yeah, and there's so also an FSA for healthcare. So um, you could use that to pay like your co-payments at the doctor's office or your deductibles before you, you know, um, before your insurance kicks in. And those contributions also will reduce your tax liability. And some, so... The F, that's something that I just recently, one, learned about from all of y'all. <laughs> um, y'all, meaning like Soledad and everyone that I've been following and listening to. Um, and that was something that I had just learned about. And with COVID and everything happening, our district happened to match a contribution of up to $400 if you, if, to your FSA. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I was able to just, you know, contribute the $400. They matched the 400 and therefore I had 800. Now I got to figure out how to spend it. But like, you know, there's things that I got to do. And okay. I how to spend it. You know, you get your glasses, you get contact lenses, you, you buy multiple glasses if you want mm -hmm. to. You can also buy feminine products. Um, you know, I use my TMI, here we, here we go. But I use my FSA to get like those Thinks underwear, um, to get sunscreen, to get, um, we got a lot of sunscreen. Um, there's even like, there's an FSA store. And so you can go to the FSA store and there was a time when we had to use, because whatever money you don't use, it doesn't roll over. Yeah. So you want to be very strategic in how much mm -hmm. money you decide to put towards your FSA um, to make sure that you're not putting too much. Mm -hmm. And when you leave an employer, then you have to use that money immediately within mm -hmm. 30 days. So I actually had a situation earlier this year where my husband left his employer and there we went having to spend all this FSA money and we literally had thousands. And so I got sunscreen. I got like a foot massage roller. I got this thing for my back, like to kind of help with like acupuncture mm -hmm. all from the FSA store. And you even like, you can go on Amazon anywhere, Walgreens, it will say FSA item, which means that you could then submit the receipts to get reimbursed for those purchases. And I'm sorry, what is the overall benefit of FSA? Is it's a tax cut? Yeah, so it's going to reduce your tax liability. So what they do is they take the money out of your paycheck, mm -hmm. whatever you're deciding to put away, so you don't have to pay taxes on that amount of money, okay. right? So it, it, and then you buy something, and mm -hmm. then you um, get reimbursed with that same money from your paycheck. But basically, it's saying like you don't have to be taxed on this portion that you're putting towards your healthcare costs or also your childcare costs. Yeah. which can make a big difference because if we're looking yeah. at like you know federal tax brackets right if you're in the 10 percent bracket versus 15 percent, a 22 percent bracket um you know i had a client the other day who was choosing to contribute to a roth 401k and that means that you know they're not reducing their tax liability but at the end of the year they have to pay so much in taxes and they're actually mm -hmm. being expected to pay so I said to them, well, is that something you want to keep doing? And they're like, wait, what else could I do? And we looked at the tax brackets. We were able to say, you know what? Put a 401k. You're actually going to end up with a tax refund now. 
wow. where the government is going to pay you money and to put that money in a Roth IRA, mm -hmm. the tax refund. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are different, like little things, but everyone is going to is individual, right? Everyone in personal finance is personal. So right. what's going to be right for Christina is going to be different for uh, Aline, which is going to be different for me. And that's why I think it's really important, you know, that you talk to someone at, a, you know, like a financial educator, a coach, a financial planner, who's going to look at your specific numbers, yeah. your, um, you know, your benefits and create something that really allows you to maximize your dinero. For sure. And one thing, a question I have is like, so we talked about 403Bs, but I also know that educators um, have, an, have for an option for a 457. Can you tell us a little bit more about a 457 and the difference between the 403B, 457, and what should we, should we do both, one? Um, so the 457, the big difference there is that you are allowed to take out that money before the age of 59 and a half. Yeah. So for, you know, Christina, who's looking to retire at the yeah. age of 53, mm -hmm. contributing to a 457 is something that's going to benefit her. Um, it has its tax advantages. Um, I, off the top of my head right now, I can't tell you in terms of like the, the contribution limits, because that varies for each plan, you know, like a 403B, mm -hmm. a 401k, it's 19,500. If you're under the age of 50, uh, right now in 2021, uh, individual uh, uh, individual retirement accounts, IRAs, whether it's traditional or Roth, you're looking at a contribution limit of 6,000 if you're the under age of 50. Um, so, you know, those things can change yeah. year to year, but you could always like look those up um, on the IRS website. Perfect. So we talked about FSAs and I know both Christine and I just, we don't, you know, it's easy to go into the health plan that, you know, is going to take care of everything, but there's also an HSA, right? Is that what yes. it is? Yes. Tell us Thank about you for that. bringing that up. Yeah. Okay. So an HSA is also a health savings account. And this has like a triple tax advantage because contributions made to an HSA reduce your tax liability. It is an investment account, so that money gets to be um, money is being invested, and you don't have to pay any taxes on the capital gains or any dividends. And when you pull it out at retirement, you don't have to pay any taxes on the money then, as well. So it's kind of you know it's like it has the benefits of a four hundred one k or four hundred three b and a Roth IRA, right? Because that's the magic of a Roth IRA that you pull out the money at retirement, you're not gonna have to pay any taxes on it but you don't reduce your tax liability right now like you would with a 403b but an hsa it's only for health ex health expenses but in order to open up an hsa you want to make sure that you have um you have to have a high deductible plan yeah. and so if you are someone who's very healthy who only really goes to the doctor for your like annual checkups mm -hmm. then this is something that you can consider doing mm -hmm. so that might be good for like but you have to be healthy or you should be very healthy, but also for those like entering the profession very early on, it might be something that they can look into it if they're just, you know, in their early twenties. Um, I don't qualify for that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> me either, me either. <laughs> but it's but, good to know that it's even an option because I feel like, yeah, I know. On, for real. honestly, like I feel like I do, 
maybe my first year, like going into the profession, I, I had like an overview, like the, a meeting where they went over everything and the union walked us through all the different benefits and understanding your paycheck because you just see all these things being taken out and you're like where is this going but no one was really like guiding us or, or telling us about these different um you know retirement accounts you know I always just thought oh the pension is like oh it got into the field because yeah I'm gonna get a pension for the rest of my life and I'll be set and then now I'm realizing like oh that's not the, that's not the case so what are some things that you would suggest that right now that open enrollment is about to start up? I mean, we're going to start being, you know, getting those emails from payroll and from our benefits department stating open enrollments open. And depending on your district, some districts are really good about educating their employees about these, these different options. But, you know, some, for the majority of my districts, they didn't. And I had to do a lot of learning on my own. What are some suggestions or yeah, recommendations that you have. Number one, I would say advocate for yourself. You know, like part of this thing is like, um, we want to talk about educators being like retained and not having to deal with this turnover, especially during this pandemic where educators have had to do the mostest. I think it's yeah. so important for you to advocate for yourself and ask to have, you know, a financial educator come in and talk to you all in, mm -hmm. at your schools before, you know, your HR person is talking to you. Yeah. Um, and someone that is going to make it like accessible and I'm sure like that's part of the work I do. I get hired to go speak at companies, to go speak at colleges, to go speak at schools where I explain all of this information so that people are like, okay, now I'm ready to read those forms because now I understand what, you know, the impact that this has on my financial security. Mm -hmm. So that'll be one. And, you know, let's say that's not something that you can have immediately, right? Then maybe that's something that in the future you can have. Start, I would want everyone who's listening to calculate their retirement number. Get a sense mm -hmm. of how much money you're going to need at retirement and play with some retirement calculators mm -hmm. online. Get a sense of like, okay, and start to understand like your forms. Like, okay, so I have a 403B. What are my expense ratios? How high mm -hmm. are the fees for my investments? Anything about anything above 0.5% is really high. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're investing in your in your Roth IRA or um, yeah, you're choosing your own individual investments, it's possible to like get some index funds at 0% expense ratios. And at the most, it's gonna be 0.03%. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. And then like, if you meet um, sometimes like with the certified financial planner, like some fees or even like fees on certain investments can be as high as one to 2%. And those high fees can really cut away at your, um, at your, at your dinero. Yeah. So expense ratios, you want to be mindful of those. Like, what are those? Ask about that for all your investments. Um, see if you're, you know, figure out what are you being, in, what are you investing in? Is it a target date fund? Are you investing in index funds? Like, what does your plan have available to you? Also ask about the administrative fees mm -hmm. um, and be aware of that. Be very like, read the statements that come along um, your way and then think about, understand what your tax bracket is right now and uh, if you're you know you're 22 percent how you can reduce your tax liability by contributing more to a 403b 
-hmm. And that can save you like a lot of money that could result in, you know, you getting a tax refund, then taking that money, investing in a Roth IRA. I also think it's important, you know, I'm, I'm huge on investing. I think that's, you know, important, but also keep in mind, like, okay, you also want to pay off debt, right? What is your debt payoff plans? If you have student loans, if you have a car loan that has a high interest and high interest being anything like double digits, if it's a double digit, 10%, 11%, that, you know, and I have clients who have car loans with a 22% interest rate, oh. credit cards with 22% interest rate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really wanting to eliminate that double digit, um, debt as soon as possible and having a plan for that and also just like keeping in mind like you don't have to do this overnight it's yeah. not something that's gonna happen like immediately it's gonna take you know it's gonna take months years and that's okay it's about you know building your financial security poco a poco and just mm -hmm. you know having a lot of grace with yourself because mm -hmm. if we bring it back to the beginning we we all weren't born with this the same access to resources and unfortunately have not all been provided with the same financial literacy. It is right. going to really, um, you know, impact our ability to grow financially. Yeah, that is so true. And now that I'm like thinking back at like, well, obviously, you know, I've, I've accepted and come to terms with, okay, I didn't do it back then, but I'm doing it now. And I'm really like, you know, taking active steps to catch up. But I think back to all of those, like, sandwich and pizza lunches that these representatives would <laughs> offer us to like talk to us about it and I would always find a way to just sneak in and get the pizza but then I wouldn't like I would leave and now I'm like damn if I would have just stayed and listened for a little bit you know at least I would have put something in even if it was a lot you know a, a fee for their services or no when they come like that's a lot of those they're there to help you for free and I know like for me, I, I remember sitting in those meetings and like writing my list of like how I was going to decorate my bulletins mm -hmm. and like creating like my, my, my letters to parents during those meetings. Yeah. And I didn't learn this information until I got sick and I started reading all that personal finance information. And as soon as I learned it at the age of 32, I was like, oh, hell no, I need to tell everybody. I need yep. to tell everybody and, and everybody yeah. needs to know this information. If I could just help one person. And that's something that I like about my, my platform that mm -hmm. every single day I can talk dinero with at least one person. Mm -hmm. I am teaching multiple people, different things about investing, um, about, you know, budgeting, creating a sustainable budget. Yep. You know, that, you know, when we know better, we could do better. Yeah, you're the one that taught me about the zero-based budgeting and realizing like how to even start from that place. And it's just definitely led me to a position where I understand what comes in, what goes out and like and a debt recovery, like a debt payment plan. And yeah, so I, I do feel like, okay, man, I learned a lot too from just what you're offering and um, taking the time. And it's connecting to what you're saying about one, like how it was always like, not taking not taking care of yourself in the classroom and doing the sprints to you know be the best teacher and provide everything that you didn't get to your students and also how even in those lunches that you were getting this information to sign on the sun you know to sign up for some things you were still planning and how we're not taking care of ourselves self-care wise but also just with financial wellness 
you know, like taking care of our older selves of when we want to retire or, you know, and setting ourselves up so we're not having to come back and be substitutes to make some extra money while, you know, our pension's not covering everything. Cause I do see that. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by kind of what, you know, retired educators end up doing if they didn't have all of this set up. Um, so just thank you for all of that. I mean, this is so, this is such, you know, important information for educators and educators of color, especially because what you mentioned, we don't all come with the same resources or have had the same experiences with our families around this information. Um, and I know for myself too, that was the case and trying to make sense of it now, but at least I'm making sense of it and not, you know, blowing it off. Thank you so much for like choosing to talk Dinero on this podcast, because I think as educators, the older we get, you know, like our bodies will tell us, hey, yeah. you need to drink more water. Hey, you need to eat your meals regularly. Hey, you, you know, your body starts to tell you that. Unfortunately, we don't always get those same messages from like our bank accounts and our investment accounts and time just goes by and we have the vocabulary to say like, hey, I'm dehydrated. Mm -hmm. But we don't necessarily know like, oh, you know, my net worth is low. My expense ratios are really high. My, you know, my, um, my financial security is, is not as where I want it to be. Right. And that's the thing. Like we need, like, if anything mm -hmm. at all, hearing these words is going to cause people to Google things. And that's something that I always say. It's like, I couldn't even Google things. I didn't know. I didn't know yeah. what I didn't know. Right. So, you know, it's podcasts like this um that really start to help people for sure 100 percent. thank you oh my goodness i hope that you know at least one person that we you know is listening is like oh i'm gonna ask that tomorrow when i get that open enrollment email and say like who can i talk to and how can i understand this paperwork better um so that even if it is you know a couple bucks now it could add up over time once you realize how much more you can contribute um, and understanding your tax bracket, just those little things too, to like get you to know yourself better, just not just as an educator and our, our practices and, you know, engaging in reflection and professional development, but it's also just understanding, you know, what's available to us, the resources and how we can take care of ourselves and our families financially is super important. Christina, do you have any questions yeah. for Soledad because I know I see your wheels spinning over there they are and um I feel like they're a little bit more personal like I I feel like I, I would love to just hit you up separately mm -hmm. um as I said like I mean I, I have that 403 being a Roth IRA but I had no idea what I was getting into um I I pretty much signed up for those because I just so happened to be in the mailroom and there was a veteran teacher in there and they're like, Christina, basically like young buck, like sit down mm -hmm. and sign up for one of these. And, so, and at, like, I, if you start investing, the younger you started investing, the fact that you started at 23, that not only did you, you know, start with Kelsters, but you also had the 403B and then eventually a Roth IRA, that puts you in a really, really, really good position. Um, in general terms, right? People say, like, if you have $100,000, once you reach like $100,000 in investments, then it just mm -hmm. starts to, it starts to double a lot. 
faster. And so it's about getting to that $100,000 in total investments. And then it becomes a lot easier and you'll, you'll see that you could also invest less, but definitely you or anyone who's listening, you know, follow me on Instagram. It's me who's responding to, you know, all the DMs. Um, I write my content. I have a newsletter out every first and 15th of the month where I try to like provide financial coaching via an email. I provide resources there. And I also, you know, do that financial plan. That's like one, one thing that I, I sit down and talk to people about. And then also, uh, also just talk dinero questions mm -hmm. too. Those are some of the services that I offer. And it is my pleasure. Like I love, I love educators so much. Anyone who's like committed to social justice, like you are the people I want to see wealthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are the people that need to be financially secure because ultimately it's like, I need you to be investing yeah. because, you know, your hearts are in, in the right place. Yeah. And I think it's also comforting to know that, you know, it's, we're like talking to a fellow educator, someone who's been in the classroom, who understand what it's like on a daily basis and what we're facing and just has that, you know, one, that level of understanding, but also just that connection of wanting to empower us in a different form you know because you're still teaching it's just now you're teaching in a different format um and spreading a different message and so I really yeah I just think that is one way to connect and to learn from you so where there's a couple questions we want to wrap up with but before we get to that like where can people find you and and learn more about you and connect with you so that they can learn more from you uh, my website wealthparatodos.com that's where you could like book a session with me. Also my Instagram, um, my Instagram will have links to, you know, subscribing to my newsletter, but my website does too. So I would say like the best place, go to my website, www.wealthparatodos.com, subscribe to my newsletter, check out the services that I offer. Um, and yeah, let's build wealth juntos. That's my big thing. <laughs> For sure. And also because, you know, we do have a lot of school leaders that listen to us, like, I think what you mentioned just about getting into the schools before HR does and just being able to hold like smaller meetings with, the, you know, new educators or just any educator who has questions about all the, you know, plans that are available, like, you know, sort of that would be like a, a great resource to have that be another, you know, get system implemented like on an annual basis so that it's not something that's just like, you know, someone who has questions or someone in the copy room or offering like, you know, pizza at lunch, because now we can't even do that with COVID protocols. So, you know, having this as a resource is also super important. So for the educators that are listening to this, um, you know, having that be a part of your resources available to, to your staff, to educators, it just also shows them that you want them to be well, you know, to invest in their wellness, both in all these different ways and financially is one of the ways. So before we wrap up, so that we, we like to end the podcast um, talking about self-care because that, it, you know, you've already mentioned that um, it's important to us and, and really looking at wellness as a whole. What are some things that you do for, for self-care? Like what is your go-to um, mode of self-care right now? Well, I shared with you guys how, how horrible my self-care was. Um, so I would say one of the biggest things that I've learned now is to structure my day in a way where I do not feel depleted at the end of the day. So it involves saying a lot of no's. 
Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I think if it's not a hell yes, if there's a little reservation, then it needs to be a no for right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, and really listening and honoring that part. And it's hard because people will reach out and, you know, it could become so easy to say yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But I know that we all have just, you know, a limited amount of energy each day. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. just part of our hum- humanity. Mm-hmm. So it starts there. And then I am huge on sleeping. Everyone in my family always says like, if I, she's probably sleeping, she's probably sleeping. I, I have a wonderful ability to sleep 12 hours a day if I can. <laughs> like I'm nice. a huge sleeper. I love, um, you know, every other Tuesday I see a healer and I get massage and energy work done. I love taking care of my plants. I mean, sometimes they die. So honestly, like I'm in the cycle of like killing plants, re- resurrecting <laughs> plants, but that is very like nurturing um, for me, reading, learning. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, reading, reading really helps me a lot and creating, like, mm-hmm. you know, still creating mm-hmm. things, whether that's like content or just art, mm-hmm. of, you know, like any form. Mm-hmm. Just things that I, you know, talking dinero, like this gives me life. This really like gives me a lot of joy. And I, and I think following my joy and choosing to engage in things that just light me up. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for ha- giving me this experience. It's always so good for me to be able to, to talk. We love it. We love it. And the last question we have for you, which we're starting to ask because we, you know, especially right now, it's just really hard to be working in the education field with everything that's coming, going on with the pandemic, coming back to in-person. I just think that we're all like exhausted and just trying to make it day to day. And Christina and I, with another a previous guest, we talked about how um, at one of the schools that we worked at, it was on top of a hill and we literally like had to have specific music or, or specific song to like get us in the right mindset and get us up that hill. So for you, what would that song be like to get you up the hill or what music would you need to be playing to get you up the hill to kind of like pump you up for the day, to get in front of the students and, and teach them the best that you can? Oh, well, it's funny because now um, there's a few songs that come to mind. Uh-huh. Whenever I was struggling a lot in the classroom, I would always listen to uh, Juicy by Notorious B.I.G. Yeah. Because that first line is like, this song's dedicated to all the uh-huh. teachers who said I wouldn't amount to anything. Yeah. Like, that would always pump me up because I was like, yeah, here mm-hmm. we go. Uh-huh. Please, take that, those teachers who are so tired and burnt out, they're not being like loving <laughs> you know so that always told me out and my students would always know oh okay <laughs> um but then i think it's also just important like to not always pump yourself up mm. like sometimes you need to cry sometimes you just mm. need to cry it out and be like i am overwhelmed and let yourself feel that heaviness because you need to rest. Yeah. That's the cue to like, take your mental health days, take a sick day, go drive to the beach. And so for me, when I um, find myself needing to cry, but it doesn't want to come out, I'll listen to this song called uh, Rise Up by Andre Day. Yeah, that's a good and, song. Uh, you know, you're, you're broken down and tired, mm-hmm. living on a merry-go-round, you can't find mm-hmm. the fighter. And the part that always makes me cry is when um, in the line she'll say like, and I'll rise unafraid, I'll rise up and I'll do it a thousand times again. Oh, that's a good that one. gets my tears going and then I just cry it out and 
I think yeah. that's also healing. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, we need those songs too. Thank you. Well, Salada, this this was amazing. We really appreciate it. We learned so much, and I'm I know that someone took something away with from this conversation. And just thank you for all that you do on your Instagram. And um, yeah, thank you. And I can't wait to learn some more and keep following you. And I and I can't wait to hear about Christina's one on one meeting with you after she gets done with it. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna have to book you too. So uh, yeah, you might have two more clients have to figure out time to work with. <laughs> I say like, you know what, create, checking in with your financial plan should be something that you do once a year, just like yeah. your physical. Yeah. You just do it once a year. You make sure that everything's on track. You make little tweaks if necessary. But once a year, you make sure that you, you check in with your dinero. Perfect. Thank you so much. And everybody, please go and follow Soledad on Instagram and um, check out her website. We will link everything in the show notes. Um, thank you so much. Mil gracias. Bye. Thank you. So, Christina, just like our other episodes, we like to wrap it up by sharing our progress in our self-care and wellness. What has your self-care looked like since our last podcast? Well, I would say for the past week, I've been really trying to uh, stop my work at four. Actually, um, what I meant was press the key to my car at four and make sure my engine's on at four. But um, I, I should say I try to stop my work at 3.30 mm -hmm. because for me, it takes me a half hour to, um, to, I like to clean up my office and organize everything and wipe off my whiteboard and put mm -hmm. my to-do list on. Um, I, I think that's a huge part of self-care is just mm -hmm. setting boundaries and um, just making sure that work ends at a certain time so I could take care of personal things while there's light out. Um, I, I'm looking back at last week. There was maybe out of the five days, um, maybe there were two days where it went over, um, but I noticed it was the days that we had our admin team. So mm -hmm. even though I was ready to go, you feel me? I can't like get up and walk out in the middle of the admin team. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I think for the most part, I, I think, uh, I think I did a pretty good job and it, and it felt good. I, I noticed that when I did that and when I, when I got home, um, that extra being home by 4.30 or before five, um, I, I felt a little, I felt more relaxed. I didn't feel um, grumpy because I hate to say it. Sometimes I, I get home grumpy if I'm mm -hmm. home past five. <laughs> maybe the word, not, may, not grumpy, maybe bitter. Or cranky. Or, or yeah, yeah. So that was that. I, I, I know I'm kind of missing out on some other things that I would have wanted to do, but I think that's a good start. What about you, Aline? Hmm. You know, sometimes like I was just telling my my graduate students this, like self-care and wellness doesn't have to be like this elaborate plan it could literally just be you taking five minutes to yourself and playing like a favorite song and dancing in the living room or just sitting listening to it like 
fully listening to it, not doing anything else. And that could just help you in that moment to kind of ground yourself. So some of them, like, I just been, I feel like I've, I've been overly busy. Some of it's self-created. Some of it is just the nature of all the things that I have going on right now. Um, so I haven't had a lot of like full chunks of time to do the stuff I want to do, like read a book or do more like, you know, more journaling. But what I have done is be more intentional with my free time and ask myself if it's something like if I if it's something I'm creating to add to my list or if it's something that I actually have to do. Um, and that's helped me really honor some of that free time. So not feeling like I have to get all the extra stuff done, just getting the essential things done. Um, and I've had some coaching around that. So I'll, I'll shout out Kat on that. Um, and then the other thing is literally my two-year-old has a favorite song right now. It's like the craziest, like it's a throwback, throwback, throwback. Like it's not even something I listened to growing up, but somehow he's just fixated on this song called, I'm not going to say it wrong, but it's like bounce, rock, skate or roll, bounce, rock, skate. And he'll play it on repeat. And so that itself, like just calm, I don't know, it just centers me. So we'll play it and we'll dance with him and watch him get into it. And that just brings me some like, some happiness where I don't really think about everything else going on. So I, I try to find those things because I think that like self-care has just been turned into this thing that we have to like have a long thought out plan about how we're going to take care of ourselves, but it comes in those small moments. And the more that we think about that, the easier it feels and the more attainable it is. So that's what I share with y'all today. But um, yeah, that's me. Man, it Little P is bringing it back to like we were like in ninth grade. I want to say it's the song, um, the we can freak it, freak if we want to. Is that the one? Oh, it's girl. <laughs> I know what song you're talking. Is it by Corrupt? The bounce? No, 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 no. It's like it's even older than that. It's like, oh my God, I'm gonna look for it right now while you're okay. talking. It's gonna bother me. Okay. <laughs> it's, oh my God, I was just playing it during my um, class. Anyways, it's like older, older, like straight up. I don't wanna say disco because it's not disco, but yeah. Okay. Well, while, while you look for that song. Yeah. Um, let me tell y'all about um, what Aline and I, um, what we're about to start. So um, Aline and I were really excited because we are starting our one-on-one -on -one coaching program for school leaders. Through our experiences and our understanding of the role of a school leader, we want to support other school leaders. So our coaching program includes one-on-one -on -one weekly 45 to 60 minute sessions um, uh, via Zoom for 12 weeks, reflection practices to help you focus on your role in breaking down oppressive systems, organizational and planning practices to help cultivate an equitable, culturally responsive school environment. And so through our coaching program, 
school leaders will feel empowered to make difficult decisions necessary to support our uh, BIPOC students, learn how to transition from an educator ally to a co-conspirator, have a support system free of judgment, grow in their practice, and prevent burnout and find more balance with your personal life. So definitely um, hit us up. Um, let us know if you are interested. This is actually a really good time um, if you are interested because our first seven, um, our, our first seven uh, co-conspirators, um, you are, this is actually going to be um, in a sense a pilot so as well. So definitely, um, definitely hit us up and, and learn more about it. Oh, I found the song. Okay. Oh. It's called Bounce, Rock, Skate, Roll by Von Mason and crew. Oh, it's like old. I, okay, that's old. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I, I thought it was the song. I want to say the one that I was thinking of was by Corrupt, I think. I know which one you're thinking about, and that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Thank you all for joining us in this conversation. We hope you took something away from it. Please support the work that we are doing by doing a few things for us. Subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review. This is how we grow and get into more earbuds. Um, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Empowered Conversations Pod. Visit our bookshop, check out what we have curated and supported an independent bookstore. The link is in our show note and all the books that we talk about in the podcast are in our bookshop. So it's a win-win. And thanks all. Thanks y'all. Looking forward to next time. Bye y'all. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Empowered Conversations Pod. Check out our content and engage in a conversation with us through the comments or DMs. Also, please help us grow and share this with your friends, colleagues, as well as post on your social media. We look forward to next time. Take it easy.